Hey, guys and girls, if you really like this episode, please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming our newest Taco Supremo. Nikki Santoro, a dramatized depiction of Tony the Ant, played by Joe Pesci in the 1995 blockbuster Casino, once said, There's a lot of holes in the desert, and a lot of problems are buried in those holes. Now, it doesn't take a wise guy to know that this mobster was referring to the Mojave Desert and it's over 31 million acres of prime body-bearing real estate. Those unfortunate enough to become one with the desert's biome have little hopes of ever being found. I say that because the victims in tonight's story were found, their bones unearthed, reunited together with the sweet smell of justice. And as for their killer, the despicable monster who snuffed out an innocent family, well, the next hole that's dug will be for him. So the hint tonight was Mojave, like the desert. Or the Apple update. Operating system update. There you go. Although I thought it was Sierra. I thought I, that's I thought the we were latest going on one. Sierra. Yeah. No, Sierra. What? Wait, you're still in Sierra? I don't know. Am I don't I? know what I'm no, on. No, it's Sierra, then High Sierra, then Catalina, then Mojave. So you're way behind. Can you update my computer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am on High Sierra. I think I'm either I'm either on Catalina or Mojave. I must be on Mojave because otherwise I probably wouldn't know what we were talking about. Yeah. Can you update my... Seriously, I'm pretty sure I'm behind. So we're drinking Oasis's... Oasis. Oasis's. Oasis. And that drink consists of Blue Curacao, gin brought to you by Nipitati, mm-hmm. and some lemon juice and club soda. I was going to say, thank God that gin is there because I don't like blue curacao and i can kind of taste it but thank god for nipatati and their gin mm-hmm. surprise shots surprise shots we don't know what they are because they're a surprise i want to give a big shout out tonight to stephanie hey stephanie welcome stephanie and also sydney hey sydney, sydney. there are newest supporters and taco supremos and you guys have both joined the uh, private Facebook group. And so you got a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, and a lot of love. And shout it right. out all over the place. Ugh. Deep Eddie. Orange. Yay, we finished another bottle. Yes, thank Gross. God. That one was rough. Upon reflecting on that bottle, the first one was definitely the worst. This one wasn't terrible. Yeah, you kind of get used to it. Let's buy another bottle. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Deep Eddie's. You know what sucks. I liked? Um, They're not from Charleston, are they? No, they're they from blow. Austin. Um, remember the high noon one that we got that one time and it was the grapefruit? That was good. Yes. So the hint tonight is Mojave. So, Nicole, where are we going? Who are we killing tonight? Um, I think we're going to New Mexico tonight. Is that where the Mojave Desert is? Our third place geography bee? Well, is that where I was going to say California, but I'm you trying... You think we're going to the Sahara Desert? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking you're... Uh, uh, like, I don't think it necessarily is the Mojave Desert. I think you're just trying to tell ah, a desert story. Okay. So I'm going with 
New Mexico because I was wondering if maybe you're going to cover the Lori Vallow case. And I thought she was from New Mexico. Well, I think that we are going to Silicon Valley. Ooh. And I think I think I'm going more with the technology route of the Mojave. And I know Apple's not necessarily in Silicon Valley. I think they're in California. Wait, is Cal- Silicon Valley what? in California? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I thought it was in like near Vegas. I don't even know. <laughs> well, just... that is, ve- between Vegas and like that part of California is the desert. Oh, okay. So I was half right. You're, you're kind of there. Yeah. yeah. Well, wait. Is Apple located in Silicon Valley? Yeah. Yes, all the tech giants well, are. Well, that's what I thought, which is why I guessed it. You know why they call it Silicon Valley? Yes. Why? Because of the silicone. Yeah, because all the strippers. The microchips. The, no. All the, stripper, all the strippers have silicone. Did you silicone. know that Charleston is called Silicon Harbor? <laughs> which doesn't oh. make any sense oh, yeah. because we don't make silicon here. True. It's they a te- do that it's a in Silicon company. Valley. I know. It's which is used in all your microchips and computer chips. That's why they call it Silicon Valley. And the strippers, you know, have silicon in their TDs. Right. All right, guys. Tonight we're going right here. The Mojave Desert, like the hint. Literally, ah. I gave it to you on a fucking platter. <laughs> and I said, here, this is where we're going. The hint is Mojave. And Nicole guesses a different desert altogether. <laughs> Whatever reason. No, I was going to guess California, but I said New Mexico. And Jen guesses Silicon Valley. I don't know where that is, Mojave. to be fair. Mojave Clearly. is the hint. We're going to the Mojave Desert. Well, you know, Which is where, John? Tell us what, what state. What the fuck? All right. So we're going to start tonight off by doing one of my favorite segments. Bible verse. Not a Bible verse this time, but a quote. Oh. Got a lot of holes in the desert. And a lot of problems are buried in those holes. Except you got to do it right. I mean, you got to have the hole already dug before you show up with a package in the trunk. Otherwise, you're talking about a half hour or 45 minutes to dig it. And who knows who's going to be coming along in that time. Before you know it, you got to dig a few more holes. You could be there all fucking night. That quote right there, a lot of holes in the desert. Before you know it. You could be digging more holes. You could be there all fucking night. Nikki Santori, a.k.a. Joe Pesci in the movie Casino, 1995. It's a great movie. Mm. That's I've how... never seen it. It looks good, though. Anytime you get Pesci and De Niro in a film, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. So tonight we're doing a request from one of our great friends and supporters, Will the Pill. Also co-host of Quackery Podcast with John. He hosts Quackery Podcast, the podcast full of medical absurdities from the past. It's the best. It cracks me up so much. Well, what's up, tacos? It's Will the Pill here from your other favorite podcast, Quackery. Heard you guys were doing a little desert uh, mystery murder session, and uh, John tells me it's only about an hour, hour and a half away. So if you find that episode cool, maybe waddle on over to the Quackery Podcast. Check us out, too. Uh, we over here at the Quackery Podcast, we were talking about Doc Springer and Zizek's out in the Mojave Desert. He was once called the King of Quacks, so so check it out. Thanks for supporting to everyone on the Taco Cast, and uh, keep calm and quack on. So tonight, we're doing a murder that's about an hour and a half away from Doc Springer, his guy's big health spa. Mm-hmm. 
On November 11th, 2013, a dirt bike rider was in the Mojave Desert riding around. He was west of 15 Freeway and north of Stoddard Wells Road. He's in the desert. This is way away from civilization. And he calls 911. And this is that call right here. Can you help you? Hi, I'm out here on a motorcycle out behind the, the dump, and I can't look like a human skull. The dirt bike rider calls 911 because he finds this laying in the desert. Go to talkmer.com. I'm putting all these. I'm putting all these evidence photos right here. What does that look like to you? Oh, the back of a skull. That's a human skull. Okay, this is from the Los Angeles Times, Saturday, November 16th, 2013. This talks about the finding of the bodies. Some 1,374 days later, and about 100 miles to the north, San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputies uncovered the skeletal remains of the parents and two small bodies believed to be their boys, authorities said Friday. An off-road motorcyclist had noticed a few scattered bones four days earlier, near what turned out to be a pair of shallow graves on the edge of the desert outside Victorville. He calls 911 and San Bernardino police get out there because this is in their jurisdiction. Hmm. Two police arrive out there and looking around the area where the skull was found, they spot two shallow graves. One of them, there's bones they look like femur bones laying to the side of the graves Mm. what this dirt biker unearthed was the remains of an entire family what yeah in this case is extremely heart-wrenching if you will but an entire family that was reported missing on february 10th 2010 have you guys heard of the mcstay murders no no This case is really not covered by the media, and I'm really not sure why. The McStay family goes missing February 10th, 2010 from their own home. Mm. Now you have Joseph Sr., the father. He's a Mm 40-year-old. You have his wife, Summer McStay. She's 43. But more sadly than that, you have the two kids. Gianni McStay is four years old and his brother, Joseph Jr., is only three. So the entire family is in these two graves. It's brutal. In the desert, in the Mojave Desert. Question. Skull here. What am I looking at? The top, the orbital openings in the nose. Okay, those. Yep, the eyes. Is it just me or does the skull look really elongated? That's how your skull looks. Well, it looks like that because it's kind of, you're getting that angle where it looks like it's going backwards but it does kind of look like roger from american dad the shape of his skull at this angle that i'm looking at it it just seems like this skull looks very alien to me or maybe i'm just seeing a shadow on the paper okay so the mcstay family was first reported missing february 10th 2010 by a guy named dan cavanaugh they're a very happy loving couple they're very active with their children said blanche aranda Summer's mother. How four people vanish without a trace. Such a loving family. Who would want to hurt them? It doesn't make sense, San Diego County Sheriff Lieutenant Dennis Brugo said. Usually something pops up early in these kinds of investigations, but this one remains a mystery. 
They seem to be a fairly typical family. I've never seen anything like it. Now, as you'll hear, Joseph McStay, the 40-year-old father, Mm -hmm. ran his own business Mm -hmm. called Earth Inspired Products. Oh, yeah. I can see where this is going. No, I have no idea where this is going. I just, where is it going? I just feel like that's very suspicious. She's saying it's going to be like a drug lord type story, or but, like homeopathic. That's like, oh no, 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 it's not homeopathic. Bullshit. No, bullshit. it's no. This, Maybe he's vegan. This story isn't quackery, if you will. Mm. Home inspired products. What they did was they sold custom and prefabricated water fountains. So think about your job in HR. You go in, there's a big water fountain. You have a water fountain at your office? I mean, we have bubblers. Bubblers? No, 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 no. I'm talking about water. sex toy. No, bubblers are what the Southern people call water fountains. No, no, no. Don't say the Southern people because I'm the only Southern people here. And ain't none of us ever use the word bubbler. Exactly. That's why I have to determine for Nicole. I'm talking it is, about... Bub- it, is, it is a one with a big jug that you buy that you press a button. It is not a water fountain that would be like at a school. No, okay. I'm talking about water fountains like the ones that he's talking no, about. You would see in the middle no of the water pond. F- there are none of those. You're talking about water fountains like you got this chick with a snake wrapped around her a and mermaid. she's shooting out water. Or, a, or it could be like a koi fish or like a cupid. Yeah, something that you would see on <laughs> landscaping. That wa- That is a water fountain or a fountain. A bubbler is something that you drink from. Which is not what Southerners call it. Correct. We do not have one of Don't those. say we because you're not a Southerner. She's talking about her office. I'm not, yeah, I'm talking about the office. But you have a cooler, a water cooler. We have a water cooler. Yes. Yes. The McStay family was first reported missing February 10th, 2010 by Dan Cavanaugh. Now, he ran the website for Earth-inspired products, Joseph McStay, the father's business. Dan Cavanaugh reports them missing from Hawaii. But actually, the family goes missing on the 4th, February 4th, 2010. Since the 4th, They have not used any of their cell phones. They have not used any credit cards. Now, Sheriff's Lieutenant Dennis Brugos says that he even checked the witness protection program (laughs) once he got that report. Because this family, as you'll see, literally vanished off the face of the earth. And we'll talk about going into their home in a second. And you'll actually see a video from a private detective looking into the home and everything else. So you'll get to see that. And I'm putting that on talkmer.com. Now, the father, Michael McStay, of Joseph McStay, tells a CNN reporter that, quote, my gut feeling is telling me that they are being held against their will in some way. Now, nobody knows that they're in a shallow grave in the Mojave Desert. Okay, that doesn't come out until it was found Almost four years later. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. So this entire time from the period of February 10th, 2010 to the time they were found in 2013, it was a huge mystery about what happened to the McStay family. Mm. The McStay family has been a subject of mystery and speculation. They've been on America's Most Wanted, Hmm. Disappeared, Nancy Grace stories, and Unsolved Mysteries. Ah, yes. Yes. So they've been... This has been a huge, you know, where is the McStays? Because you normally don't see a whole family up and leaving like they did, supposedly. 
Hmm. Right. Especially with two small children. Right. And I'm going to get kind of into why hmm. you wouldn't see that here in a second. Right. One of the reasons that you would never see a family like this just up and leave, because that does happen. Like families just move. Maybe they were in trouble with a loan shark or something like mm. some of my family yep. has been in the past. <laughs> the McStay family actually just bought a brand new five bedroom home, Ooh. which they put $30,000 on. It was a $300,000 home. Wow, shit, that's so 10%. Why would you freaking move after that? Not only that, what? but they just spent $4,000 on new flooring. Plus renovations, new carpet, they're repainting everything, and they just install granite countertops, which you'll see in the video. All right, Nicole, can you read this? This is from the Sacramento Bee, Monday, May 30th, 2011. This is before the bodies were dug up. Family's life seems normal right up to the day they vanished. Hmm. Joseph and Summer McStay's home sat on a quiet cul-de-sac beneath a mountain thick with avocado trees. The fenced backyard was perfect for Bear, Summer's Akita, and there was plenty of room upstairs for their two toddlers. Soon after they moved in, in late 2009, Summer launched a big renovation. Paint, tile flooring, and granite countertops. She also adopted a puppy. Oh, that's sweet. What would it take to plant an avocado tree? So you read the avocado trees. The house is actually 3473 avocado vista lane in fallbrook so the house as you'll see from the video it backs up to a mountain like a a huge mountainous hill with avocado trees you know Mm. spread about so it's very cool when you think about the cost of avocados you think that like that would actually be financially sound advice is to get an avocado tree Mm -hmm. this is tim miller from texas ecusearch which i looked it up is basically like a private investigator it's a non-profit organization and all they do is try to find missing persons kind of like my man in the dungeon dying episode remember that oh yeah yes so um well it's a very nice manicured home Mm -hmm. um like stucco style yep uh, mediterranean almost yes yes i love that style house i really like the classic looking style houses like brick houses like colonial so they're getting Tutors. ready to go up front. Oh, they, some some nice tropical flowers up oh, front. Oh, a dog. There's a dog that's going to get ready to search. He's ready to now, work. Let, let me say one thing right quick. Now, this is the family's dogs. They had two dogs, Aww. a dog and a puppy. And the dog was in the house the when dogs, they went missing? Yeah, the dogs were in the house. They oh, were left the unfed. But I want to say that the neighbor's actually noticed that the family kind of left and they were feeding the dogs. The dogs are completely fine now. I looked it up. The dogs are fine, but they were left unfed for a little bit because the family vanished, obviously. That's terrible. Poor things. I mean, all of them, the family included, but... This is Summer's brother right here you're looking at. So Summer was the wife that was also in the grave. He's got the pup-pup. And they're taking a look inside. Walk-in is a dining room area. Shoes on the ground. Mini fridge. Oh, there's trash on the ground. Yeah, there's trash. It's kind of like there's been kind of like a struggle maybe. Yeah, well, not only a struggle, but maybe someone was like squatting. I need to say the family is still in the process of moving in. You'll see an air mattress because Mm. they haven't got the bed yet. So the family... Had just closed on this house. Okay. This is a brand new house for them. 
Okay. You know, and there's paint everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's boxes that have still yet to been unpacked. You know, so they had just moved in here. And it's a beautiful home. It is. Nice, nice countertops. Open floor plan. Sunglasses. Yep. Sunny's on the table. It looks like there's keys on the table, too. Yeah. There's still like tape on the ground. It there's looks a, like there's from. A, yeah, yeah, there's painter's tape everywhere yeah. because but, they were in the process of painting. Actually, they had a guy named MacGyver painting. Oh. Their stuff. There's a tea kettle on the stove. Looks like a pan. I can't tell if there's any dishes in the sink, but it looks like they have a dishwasher, so maybe they wouldn't use the sink. Cabinets yeah. are off as if they're being painted. So they did catch the person that did this, as we'll get to later, that is responsible for the family going missing. But one of the things is, not in this particular video, but the police didn't make this a crime scene fast enough. Mm. So, for instance, what you don't see in this video, there were eggs left out on the counter. Really? There were there was the dinner plates left out on the counter of hmm. food still on them. Huh. There was popcorn bowls left on the couch with popcorn spread around. But the mother actually came and cleaned everything up before it was considered a crime scene. So the police did botch that. They didn't get there quick enough to rope it all off and consider it a crime scene. So you did have traffic walking in and out. Hmm. And that's one of the things that the defense of the accused used during his trial is the botched investigation right. and letting just, you know, whoever walk through. Right. Joseph McStay's brother actually is the first one to go into the home. He found a window in the back that was ajar, hmm. and he went in that way. He was also with hmm. Joseph's business partner, the killer. I'm just going to spoil it for you, the killer, mm, okay. because this this prosecutor would spoil it for you anyway. So, Michael McStay. Mike McStay is going to tell you I went, and the defendant pointed out a small crack. The window in the backyard was open, and that led him to Joseph's study. He pointed it out and said that he had noticed it before. Mm. And no one had heard from my brother, so I went in. And I opened the front door for the defendant, and he wouldn't come in. He wouldn't come anywhere near the house. On February 19, 2010, Joseph's mother, Susan Blake, cleans up the entire apartment. Mike, the brother, actually takes all of the computers out of the house. Mm. Before it was considered a crime scene. And the computers have damning evidence on them. Right. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, like, why? Like, that's something you don't want to take because those can be traced easily. You got to keep in mind that at the time, this wasn't considered a homicide. It could have been the family just up and left for a vacation or whatever, even uh, though it's suspect. But the, it's I, very suspect. I will say the cops did not act quick enough because February 19th, the missing persons report was filed on the 10th. So nine days yeah. later, they still haven't roped it off as a crime scene. The brother goes in there and grabs all the computers, hard drives and everything and brings them to his house, which the defense used as tampering with evidence mm -hmm. or whatever. But at the time, even Mike, the brother, didn't know that his brother and his brother's wife and two children were in a shallow grave in the Mojave Desert of all places. You know, that's the last thing they would think of. Right. He ends up bringing the computers back, which is good because they held a lot of damning evidence. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe he grabbed the computers to make sure that. I mean, why grab them at all? That just seems really strange. Well, unless he was involved. I mean, and maybe knew that it contained something. Like his family's missing for ten days. Like maybe it's like, well, these are very valuable pieces of property. Like if I don't take them, they might get stolen. Yeah, I think that's what he was thinking too. Is they might get stolen. I would do the same thing, especially if it's not a crime scene. You know, you don't want someone to come but in there and take it. It should have been. It should have been a It should have been, yeah. It should have been. They botched it. I mean, they did. Yeah. And they they're real lucky that the defense didn't They could have roasted them. Yeah, yeah, but they they're real lucky that didn't happen for for everyone's sake. Because you have a three and a four year old that is buried with mommy and daddy in a shallow grave. Yeah, that's that's making me really upset, but go on. If you're listening to this and heard of this case before, you know who the killer was and probably even the outcome of the case. But the reason I'm going into the missing family so much is because that was a huge aspect of the case. Because remember, they were not unearthed for almost four years. So to properly do the case, I need to kind of build that missing aspect to it does that make sense yeah that's why i'm going into it so much i know that the case has already been resolved but i'm still going into it right anyway and even though it's four years later at least they were found you yeah. know a lot of people aren't it's closure yeah if they weren't found as you'll see there would have been no trial there been nothing right so I, that's what i'm saying is like i'm glad that even though it took four years that they were found yeah joseph mcstay the owner of Earth Inspired Products, they were doing very well. The company was profitable. You know, it was him and a few other employees. He would have his cell phone on 24 hours a day. He never missed a call from what his friends and family would say, ever. This is kind of a uh, cryptic message from Summer's mother. Not that she knew anything about them being in the desert, but she said this prior to them being unearthed. She says... Quote, I'm just so happy that the four of them are together wherever that is, Mm. which is kind of like, oh, man, sad to think about now. Obviously, she didn't know they were in the desert. Both Joseph McStay and his wife, Summer, had $20,000 in savings accounts. So Joseph and Summer had a collective savings account with 20k in it your joint account and then summer had her own savings account with another 20,000 so $40,000 total well yeah when you think about $40,000 if you if you just disappear and want to start a new life that's enough to put down a payment on a house if you're I mean I know they just bought a new house but if something happened they're like okay well gotta skedaddle like that's enough even just one of those accounts is enough to put down a, a down payment on a house yeah Summer actually talked to her sister on the morning of February 4th. This is just hours before they go missing. And in fact, that afternoon, she had just bought baby clothes for her sister. Her sister had a new baby. So just kind of driving the fact home that they didn't just, you know, run away and leave. Right. Let me talk about the accused and the one that got tried for this case. And I wasn't going to do this, but I want to show you who he is now Because we're about to go through what he did, and I want you to have a face to the crime. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. The killer, his name is Chase Merritt. He was the business partner of Joseph McStay of the Earth Inspired Products. Ooh. 
So this is him right here. This is Chase Merritt. They're in a this limo. is the business partner right here. Mm. You see Gianni and Joseph Aww. Jr., Joseph Aww. McStay, and then Summer. So a very Aww. happy family. Yeah. Chase Merritt was the business partner, and he's the one that actually annihilated the family. Mm. As the business partner, he was the one responsible for the custom fountains. Okay. So he was so, like the designer? Yeah. So in this company, you have two sections. You have the prefabricated fountains mm-hmm. where they may buy wholesale or buy from a dealer mm-hmm. and then resell to yep. an office building. And then you have the custom built fountains where they go in and, you know, they inspect and, and they measure and then they get a design, mm-hmm. get it approved, and then they build it. The Chase Merritt, the guy that was tried for these murders, he was in charge of the custom fountain. What stake did he hold in the company? There were two different companies. So Chase Merritt comes to the company with his own company called iDesign. Okay. So they weren't really in the same company, pretty much. They were like a conglomerate with, okay. t- with two companies working together to do some ta- you know what i'm saying like yeah. uh, he was almost like subcontracted okay. to build so these custom things if someone hired mr mcstay for their fountain um and they didn't yeah. like something that was in his catalog he would say i know a guy that can custom build it this yeah. is so yeah that's uh, exactly right that's okay. the, from what i figured out that's exactly how it how it is so okay. he would do like the custom stuff and he was a you know a designer and stuff like that so he like he would you know like sculpt it himself and hmm. yeah this right here is from the los angeles times thursday november 13th 2014 the riverside county resident has a long history of petty crime violating court orders and drifting between blue collar jobs during the 1970s and 80s, Merritt bounced in and out of jails and prisons, according to a probation report filed in the Los Angeles County criminal court case. The report details his lengthy rap sheet. He was convicted of burglary and theft in 1977 and convicted twice of burglary in 1978. He was convicted several times of receiving stolen property during the 1980s. In 2001, he pleaded no contest to a second-degree burglary and grand theft after he was accused of stealing from San Gabriel Valley Ironworks Company. The victim said the stolen goods were worth more than $32,000, the probation report said. He was sentenced to 180 days in county jail and ordered to serve three years probation. But it took him nearly 10 years to complete his probation after he routinely failed to attend court-ordered programs or pay fines. Wow. You know what else I was thinking about him is that he it seemed like he may have had a background in, like, military maybe because he just, like, had a family up and poof. No, he wasn't military. This guy is... Um... The closest thing I think of this guy is like a Dirty John, just complete con man. Mm. You know, I mean, and obviously the McStay family didn't know this was this guy's personality, but this guy was a con man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're going to go into business, someone like that subcontract, you would want to know their background. But we've been with shady business people before. You don't don't know because like you you want to take people at face value. What they say is the truth. Yeah, you definitely do. But there are some sociopaths out there just like this guy. But but like, wouldn't you want to, I mean, because... Do background checks on everyone? Yeah. Sometimes you just, I mean, did you do a background check on us when you lived here? Maybe I did. You don't know. (laughs) This is an ex-business partner of Chase. This is kind of telling you the guy that he was. Who are you and how are you attached to all this? 
Um, I became a now former business partner of Chase after the McStay run-in. After about a year after the murders, everything. I never heard about the murders until I met Chase. Chase told me about his whole story, how he did all this metal work and waterfalls, and we went into a limited partnership where I would just put up some money so he can get started and get back on his feet doing okay. the work. Um, so and it all played out where he wouldn't fulfill the orders, he'd get money, he'd take money out of the bank, he wouldn't fulfill the orders, and we owed, how it ended up, we owed money to a lot of people, which I reimbursed everybody, and then we just walked away and called it a day. When you saw his face and you saw him in those handcuffs, this is a guy you were doing business with, when you, he came out those doors in handcuffs in that jumper suit, and that smug look on his face, what went through your mind? I mean, I could, I could see that happening to him, um, but that was him. That smug look, really, I, I told him when I knew Chase. He would take money, he would owe you money, say, okay, yeah, I'll get to it, and not and not care. It, it didn't even matter. To him, he had no, no remorse at all. He would just steal money, not fulfill things, and like, he was untouchable. He wouldn't care if you came back. Yeah, I mean, we've we've met people like that. Yes, we sure have. Um, trying to do different business ventures that would just complete shady, right? I mean, they'll tell you one thing, and then when you start doing business with them, you're like, wow, how did we get in bed with this fucking asshole? You know what I'm saying? Just want to fuck people over and stuff. So I get it how people fall for that. You yeah, know? I mean, you guys fell for it when I joined a podcast. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. what the fuck? Yeah. During his interview with the police, Chase Merritt, if you watch the interview, and I'm, I'm embedding it on talkmer.com, he uses a lot of past tense mm. before the family was even uncovered. Mm. Aha. Uh -huh. So before they were found, this was, you know, weeks after they went missing. The detectives, as you'll hear now, say... That when they have a family member or a, quote, best friend, like Chase called himself to Joseph McStay, when they come in there and your family member is missing, you don't know that they're dead. Maybe they just ran away. Maybe they're being abducted. They don't use the past tense of was. Yeah, he was a good guy because you don't know he's dead. Okay, I know it's kind of hard to hear, so I'm going to stop playing it. But that's she him right says, there in the tie. She's, but she says because you use past tense, and she basically said what I just said was he was a good guy, he was my best friend, she was a good mother, instead of saying is. Right. And that's I guess detectives really look for that. Chase Merritt also claims that Joseph was his best friend. All right, so in the police interrogation video, Chase Merritt claims that Joseph owed him $11,000, but what he didn't tell the police, because, you know, they obviously went and checked the books, the QuickBooks, actually, QuickBooks was a huge thing in this case, mm. actually... Chase Merritt owed him $42,845. And not only that, as you'll see, Chase Merritt started pulling checks out of the company Ooh. after he killed the entire family. Really? Let me go back right quick to the grave site so you can really see kind of what happened to this family. 
Tell me what you see on this photo. This is the picture of a human skull. This is Summer's skull right here. Tell me what you notice. There's a, a big effing hole. Like so that's it's like he must have hit her with a hammer multiple yeah. times, like a sledgehammer maybe. Or like the pickaxe end of it. Yeah. You know? Now tell me what you notice about this photo. And these evidence photos are on talkmer.com. Oh, that's a broken femur. That's hard to break. That's one of the most, that's one of the sturdiest bones in the body. Look, where's it broken from? Like if you snapped it, like it's in the middle of the femur. So what you're looking at is a, I guess a femur bone. I'm not really sure, but the leg bone. Yeah. The back is broken of the bone. So someone took a sledgehammer, a three pound sledgehammer, which I'll show you in a second, and hit the front of the femur bone, actually causing it to crack in the back. That's either a tibula or a fibula. Sorry, that's not yeah, a femur. Yeah, I know it's a tibia. It's a tibia. That, that, Sorry. It is a tibia. That was in the court case. Yeah. I don't really know my bones. Well, but. femur is the part from the hip to the knee. And then you have the two bones from the knee to the ankles, which are the tibia and the fibula. But they're both strong bones. The femur is one of the strongest bones in the body. And you have that that uh i think that's yeah tibia bone on the left leg and then on the right leg it's showing that there's a break on that those same areas on the other side but not completely snapped so like he broke their legs so it was like he was trying to like that's a mafia move when police arrive at the shallow grave site they find the bodies and they decide to label them grave a and grave b Grave A held the adult male Joseph McStay, 40-year-old, the father, and Gianni McStay, the four-year-old. In Grave B was Joseph Jr. and the wife Summer McStay. That's interesting that he broke it up that way. Mm. Like an adult child. Well, I think think it's because there were shallow graves, so... You know, you wouldn't want to put two adults in one because they wouldn't really fit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Now, they found a bunch of evidentiary items, which I'm going to go through now. Go to talkmore.com to see these. But a towel that was torn. They also found a right cup of a black bra. This was in grave A. Okay. Okay. Joseph Sr. was encased in a fabric. I believe it was the futon cover. Because the futon cover was missing, but I never saw what exactly material it was. So it could have been a tarp or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he was covered in there. His lower legs were actually bleached, but they were mostly preserved. He was actually the only one that was really preserved because Mm. he was encased in this fabric. So he actually, his skeletal remains still had flesh on them. Wow. Because he was... You know, yeah. preserved in this tarp. Right. It's kind of interesting that the killer would take those steps with his corpse specifically, especially if he called him his best friend. Whether or not he was his best friend doesn't really matter. But I just think it's interesting that he took those steps with just him. If it wasn't for the the one who actually had flesh still on him, would, would they have been able to extract the DNA from the other remaining bones? Probably. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I actually could've. don't know that. Because I, mean, I guess like Jurassic Park is a thing that could happen still because we have dr- bones. Well, no, didn't they get it from uh, one of the mosquitoes though in Gra- Jurassic Park? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but like technically we have DNA from dinosaurs. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't, I don't know if DNA is a, But you could take a scraping of the of the bone and fragment get and get DNA because even if it's like the one like like 
what's smaller than a millimeter nanometer like even if it's mm-hmm. just like that one bit like still stuck on the bone like you still have that mm-hmm. i don't care if there's five movies that tell me how bad of a idea bad of know. an idea it is i would totally like to see dinosaurs from here yeah no like they actually Park. started i would much rather see people running around in t-rex costumes i think they started that also fun there, yes. there was something on the science yes. thing. Yes. Guys. Let's do it. Now, the cause of death for all of the members is blunt force trauma to the head. I'm going to show you the hammer that was used right now. This is the murder weapon you're looking at. This was also encased in that same grave. So it's a three-pound oh. Stanley hammer. I believe that it, it like kind of looks like a rubber mallet. But yeah. I, I guess it's... But I guess it's not a rubber mallet, even though it looks like that because of the it's damage a mallet, it did. but it might not be a rubber mallet. But even if you use enough force with it, it should... I mean, I have a steel mallet for hammering, tenderizing meat, so it's possible. The majority of the bones were disturbed by animals. In fact, both of Joseph's leg bones were found outside of his grave. Really? Joseph Jr.'s, I'm sorry. Oh. Both of Joseph Jr.'s leg bones were found outside of his grave. I mean, think about Old Hubs and his bone he likes to carry yeah. around. Mm. But, jo- like, that's so strange, though. Joseph Sr. was wrapped with a white electrical cord and encased in woven-type fabric. Now, I thought a lot about this. Like you said, why was he the only one wrapped up? And the tibia that you saw, I need to point out, was his... Why would you hit someone in the tibia? It would not be a fatal blow. I believe, and we'll never know this, but it makes sense to me that Chase Merritt put him in a chair, wrapped him up with the electrical cord that he still had on him, okay, and then hit him with the mallet multiple times. As he was killing his own family, I believe that he let Joseph Sr. live, but he only, you know, restrained him. He only restrained him so he couldn't do anything. Does that make sense? Because yeah. there's so, no reason for him to hit him in the leg right. with a mallet because it's not a fatal blow. Going along with that thought, the only thing I can think of is if he wanted to let Joseph Sr. watch his family die, number one. Number two, if he wanted not to kill him, but to disarm him so that he couldn't come at him when he was harming Joseph Sr.'s family. Because if you break someone's tibia, like, they're not going anywhere. That's a weight-bearing bone. Like, no matter what you do, like, like if you smash someone's tibia like that, they're not going to be able to walk. Mm. Okay, this is in grave B. This is the prosecutor talking right here. And I want to point out this... The videos, there's 245 court videos from this case. It's by Law and Crime. I guess they have a contract where they go into courtrooms and do these high-profile cases and they record them. But what's interesting is the owner and founder of Law and Crime is Dan Abrams, and he's also the host of one of our favorite shows, Life PD. He's the guy that... Yeah, so he's actually the founder of Law and Crime. Is he related to J.J. Abrams? Oh, maybe. I don't know. This is the prosecutor talking about Summer McStay. Summer's, uh, essentially the pieces of Summer's skull. They placed them together and realized that she had multiple jaw fractures. She's been hitting the front of her face, fracturing her jaw. 
in several places. She was also struck in the back of the head and in the front of the head. I think, and, it's, and you saw the photo, right? Of that, and I think it's really interesting how he's in the courtroom, like studying and taking notes and he's got his glasses on like oh he yeah. is such a piece of shit yeah honestly, honestly I, I wish that guy would get ripped limb from limb dude I, why I'm would he sure leave the mallet why did he leave the mallet in there his fingerprints are still on that mallet unless he wore gloves the only fingerprints that they found as i'll get to was in the family car which he drove mm. to the mexico border oh yeah all right something that i'm really not going to go into because this was a big missing persons report, but I want to throw it out there. Is that the family's car in 1996 Azuzu Trooper was actually filmed by a neighbor, her security camera, which also testified in the trial, driving away at 7.47 p.m. on February 4th. Hmm. Now, the killer's DNA was on the steering wheel of that car. Really? And in his interview, he claims that he has never driven the car. So that is one of the smoking guns that told the jury that he was guilty. It was found in a strip mall parking lot of Sam Ysidro, which is an hour away from the McStay home and right across from the Tijuana border. It was abandoned and then towed. Now, four days after they disappeared is when it was found. It was locked. There was no evidence of struggle, no blood, just family fingerprints. They did find the DNA of the killer. There were two child seats in the back with new toys and everything. Now, I am going to put this video on talkmer.com. It did not pan out, obviously, but there is a video of a family crossing the border this same evening that the McStay family car appeared in the shopping mall lot. Hmm. It's a coincidence, but it definitely kind of derailed the investigation because it makes you think that the family did walk across the border. It Mm -hmm. does. It has a lot of similarities. It's a man and his wife and then two boys. Wow. And it's very compelling and coincidental that that happened. But A few reasons that they did not cross the border. Number one, neither Summer or Joseph spoke any Spanish. Plus, in Mexico at this time, especially, you would not want to take your kids to Mexico. Mm. It's very violent in Tijuana. Summer's passport is also expired. Mm. Also, Joseph Jr.'s birth certificate required by minors under 16 was with the grandmother at the time. So Mm. there's no way they could have got into the border if they wanted to. This is from the Los Angeles Times, May 30th, 2011. It was a rear view of a man holding the hand of a young boy in a beanie cap. Walking behind them was a woman holding the hand of a smaller boy, also in a beanie cap. All four were walking toward the border gate. The woman had a small handbag draped over her shoulder, and the man carried what appeared to be a small plastic grocery sack in his free hand. Relatives looked at the video clip, but no one was certain that it was the family. The woman wore a white jacket with fur lining similar to one Summer owned. Summer also often wore Uggs, just like the woman in the video. But Joseph's mother and brother thought the man seemed too tall and slim. This is about the four-year-old Gianni right here to tell you the brutality of the murder. If you want to read this, this is from ABC seven. If you want to read the headline there, mixed day family murder, four year old was struck seven times on the head. So 
an asshole. Prosecutors say sledgehammer was used to kill all four members of the McStay family, and the four-year-old boy was struck seven times. Mm-mm. So this is the guy God. you're you're talking about right here. So when we talk about the uh, sentencing and the um, the outcome, you can tell me if it was warranted or not. Hmm. This is the prosecutor talking about Joseph Jr. Joseph McStay Jr. This was all that was left of Joseph McStay Jr. The baby. The skull piece found by Mr. Bluth, several fragments and three rib bones, one of which, this middle one, was found in the grave with Summer. Also in the grave with Summer was a diaper and a cell phone case. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is kind of painting the picture of how fucking disturbing this guy is. I'm going to show you some of the um, other evidence photos right here. So this is some of the bones. This is hair that was still still there. But this is a pair of black pants wrapped in women's panties. They were summer's panties. And... From what investigators believed, before or after death, she was raped. Chase Merritt raped her. <gasps> what? Yeah. I mean, like, that's just, of all things to add on to the crimes, Mm-mm. really, well, asshole? The underwear had bleach stains on them. Oh, so. And the bra, remember how I said the right cup was found in one grave? Yeah, but it wasn't the same grave she was found in, you said. Her other, the left cup was actually found under her body, so it basically means he took scissors or whatever, ripped it, I don't know, and cut the bra open and raped her. And that's what I was thinking. Maybe he tied Joseph Sr. up and let him watch this because this guy is a oh fucking piece of shit, dude. I'm telling you, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I got to give credit to like the prosecutor and defense attorneys. Well, not necessarily. Well, I mean, they had defense attorneys too. like when you're talking about a criminal case such as this, they have to ha- re- like retain their composure while they're talking about such a god awful crime. Like, I don't think I could ever do this. I mean, I'm doing this now with composure because I'm half in the bag, but like, no, I, this is just, just making me upset. The fact that this poor, poor family was murdered. This backpack was one of the backpacks one of the kids wore around all the time. That was also in the grave. And there was also a paintbrush with white paint. And if you look at a former picture of Joseph Jr., he was actually holding said paintbrush with the white paint on. No. Now, this is going back to Summer being raped right here. This is from the uh, San Bernardino Sun.com. The title is Summer McStay may have been raped before she was killed, buried in desert court documents say. The autopsy revealed that all four victims died from blunt force trauma to their heads. The sledgehammer is likely the murder weapon. Investigators believe Summer was raped at the time as her pants were in the grave near her head and her panties were in the pants as if they were pulled off together, according to the motion. There were also inclusions in her bra that led investigators to believe it was cut off, the motion states. I mean, just... Mm. That's terrible. I mean, not only did he kill a fucking three and a four-year-old, like, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I... I, I mean, mean, what's the purpose? Like, I mean, they, he, he could have just left them at home. I want to know why dogs. this case isn't more widely known because, I mean, this is a Chris Watts-based yeah. type of case, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this guy's a fucking... It, it's very, very upsetting. Let me talk about some damning evidence. 
from the trial of Chase Merritt and the McStay murder? From the 1st to the 3rd, this is before the murder. The murder happened on February 4th, 2010. Mm -hmm. So between the 1st and the 3rd Mm -hmm. on QuickBooks, which I'm not really familiar with how QuickBooks is. I guess it's like Excel. But Joseph McStay had two QuickBooks accounts, one for the prefabricated fountains and one for the custom. Remember how I told you there was split up the business? Yeah. On February 1st, the QuickBook was accessed by Charles Merritt from his computer in his home. Mm-hmm. $2,500 was printed on a check, but then deleted on QuickBooks. So I guess you print it and then delete yep. it, but it still shows in the activity. I'm not really sure how it works. This was done multiple times. Multiple $2,500 were printed. 5.48 p.m. was the last call to Chase Merritt, the business partner. From 5.48 to 9.30 p.m., the McStay phone was not connecting to any tower, so it was turned off, obviously. 7.56 p.m., Charles Merritt was at the McStay home and signed into QuickBooks and created a check and then deleted it. That check was for $4,000. At 8 p.m. after that, he calls himself on Joseph's cell phone and then hangs up. His phone also pings at the house. You see what I'm saying? He's at the house. He just murdered an entire family. They're literally on the floor, Mm -hmm. you know, blood everywhere. And he signs into QuickBooks and writes himself a $4,000 check. And then he calls himself from Joseph's phone to make it look like Joseph made the call. Exactly. But he hangs up too quick. So it doesn't ring on Chase's Hmm. phone. Wow. Four checks were created on February 5th, one day after the murder. They're all backdated to the 4th. What you're looking at now is the splatter stains of the kitchen table. Now, Chase Merritt did clean everything with bleach, but you see all these little circles. Luminol on the floor. These are are circles by the forensic pathologist or whatever. So, like, that's our blood droplets would be. Those are blood droplets, yeah. And if you go to the website, I have the video of him walking through. It's actually really interesting because he does blood splatter techniques and he does demonstrations and stuff like that um, with it. In the trial. It's actually really interesting. So it seems that maybe that the kids and wife and maybe uh, Joseph Sr. were tied up on the floor and that's where it happened. I don't I don't know, because Chase Merritt apparently is innocent from what he says. (laughs) A couple of other damning things. The DNA was in the family car of Chase Merritt, which is a one in an eight hundred and fifty million chance that it could be. That DNA. Wow. He actually calls QuickBooks and stays on there for over an hour pretending to be Joseph McStay. Not only that, he tells detectives in the interrogation that Joseph owes him money and that he's worried that he's not going to come back. Uh, I mean, he killed him, obviously, but he's having trouble paying his rent because he's owed money and stuff like that. Going back to Chase's bank records. Right after he kills an entire family, including a four and a three year old, he spends days. I'm talking about eight hours, 12 hours every day at the casino after pulling money directly out of the company bank account. He spends it all at the casinos. Not only that, the most damning evidence of the case was phone records show that Chase Merritt was actually at the gravesite oh, on February 6th. No. Now, the defense 
said that. How do you defend that? <laughs> well, yeah. How do you defend that? Yeah, yeah. but and he didn't. If you watch the interrogation, he's like, "That can't, that's impossible. That's not me." It's like the pinging of the phone, right? It's Ugh. like your phone was there. What the fuck? Yeah, but you, you dare, bro. The yeah. defense said that it could have been anywhere in a few miles of the desert, but it was mm. obvious to the jury that he was standing the desert, at right? the gravesite. You know, on the 6th of February, which is just fucking just pathetic. Wow. Obviously, the jury found him guilty. And it was interesting because the defense attorney was asked if they would like to poll each juror. You know, Mm. they bring out the envelope Mm -hmm. with the verdict. And it's like, all 12 members of the jury find you guilty. Yeah. Right. And then the, the defense attorney said, I'd like to poll the jurors. So one by one, juror one, is this your verdict? Yes. Juror yeah. two. So they all went one by one, all 12 of them, which right. was kind of interesting. I've hmm. I've never personally seen that before. Yeah. He was found guilty. What do you think his punishment was or is? What do you think his punishment is? Is or deserves? Is. I think he got the death penalty. Well, at the time in California, the death penalty was legal for life sentences. I think that's what he deserves. But... The trial was actually in June of 2019, and I remember watching huh. a lot of it when it came out because really? I was going to do this story previously. Mm-hmm. But the whole trial, all 50 something days, are up on a YouTube playlist called Law and Crime. If you want to sit there and watch literally 800 hours of it, go ahead. But <laughs> like it's there. So, <laughs> so he was in prison for six yeah, he was years in before his trial. Yeah. So wow, his trial and the trial time. was very exhaustive, but all of the members found him guilty. And this is from the Los Angeles Times, January 21st, 2020. If you want to read the headline of this. Man convicted of killing McStay family sentenced to death. So he did get the death penalty, and honestly, I'm completely happy with that. He did testify at the very end. He broke down, started crying. I didn't do this, all this shit. You can tell he's just a fucking sociopath. Did Um, you know that Southern California has the highest um, death penalty sentencing in all of the United Hmm. States? No, I didn't know that. It's interesting. San Quentin. I really thought that they just repealed the death penalty recently. What What am I thinking of? But he killed him in 2010. You got to keep that. Well, up. I understand that. But when you repeal the death penalty, maybe like, you, you're thinking you, of a different state. No, I'm pretty sure it was California. I, I maybe I'm thinking of a different state. I mean, clearly, I don't agree with it because well, I don't believe in the death penalty. So I think just this year. I mean, I think that he should have gotten i would have rather seen him get four life sentences than the death penalty but we all know where i stand with that so so that is the freaking horrible case that is the mcstay family i want to say this guy is just a piece of shit to watch in the courtroom he's so smug he's <laughs> writing his fucking notes he's got his glasses on he actually he's like oh yeah i'm gonna rebut this if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a Talko Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it and I'll dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely lovely people.
You know what we used to drink in college was Pinnacle Whipped. Oh my God! Yes, Pinnacle Whipped. Yeah, with um, with like root beer or, or, or orange soda. Oh, I don't think we did those. I think we did fruit punch. I don't really remember. You guys ever seen or heard the 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 story about that voicemail that someone left recently? It's like become a really popular TikTok and meme thing. It's like this lady stop sending me TikToks. I can't even <laughs> open them. God damn it! You send those like thirty a day. It doesn't even let First me. First of all, it. I only sent three today. <laughs> You said three today? Yeah. If someone wants to read this, does anyone know who Nikki Santoro is? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, no, wait. Never mind. I don't know who Nikki Santoro is. I thought you were Why talking- Why would you say yes? Because I thought you were talking about- <laughs> She just wanted to be the first one to no, say yes so she could read it. No, no, I thought I did because I know the name from somewhere, but for some reason- <laughs> I know the name from somewhere, but for some reason, Snooki came into my head- because her name is Nicole Pelosi or something. Who? Snooky from Jersey Shore. I Snooks. don't fucking know who that is. She looks like a meatball. What? <laughs> a meatball? She actually does. Oh, She's from- <laughs> to fly a rocket ship, you need to be an optimist. No one gives a shit. No one cares. The fucking no world is flat shithead. With their fingers Fuck crossed. you. That's not how we deal with risk. Oh, never mind. You rose your hand for like three minutes, just say so never mind. Well, because I was going to ask if it was Jonestown, because I thought that was what you were talking about. But it's, you said you already said it's an hour and a half away from there, and I don't think that's where Jonestown was. So I'm rescinding my Jonestown guess. was in another country. Yeah, it was. It was like in Peru or something. Yeah, but what didn't it start in America though? It did. Mm-hmm. You got America right. You got this country right, Jen. You got the right country. Baby. <laughs> you got the right country. It's a start. <laughs> no one said my guesses had to be specific. <laughs> True. <laughs> America. And then Jen's like, nope, Canada. <laughs> Number two, I would just sit. I probably wouldn't be on the couch because I didn't. I wouldn't want to interact with everyone. So I would just sit in my room and cry and listen to my Well, music. Jen's playing an integral part because I'm not sure if Rebecca's going to come. So I'm going to need Jen to cue some music for us. Probably. I already got the playlist. Freaking Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer. <laughs> no. If coronavirus... Okay, you think that eating a bat, that's going to be a disaster, which it has been. Obviously, letting dinosaurs roam the earth is going to be... I'm not saying roam, but like, let's make an amusement park in Costa Rica for them. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. You you gotta put... No, don't put it in Costa Rica. You want to put it in somewhere... That's where Jurassic Park is filmed. I understand that, but you want to put it somewhere that is so remote that will still attract people to come, but if people don't come or if it becomes a disaster, it won't affect a majority of the human race. The Galapagos Islands. The North Sentinelese Island. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I wish IHOP was open. I could use a pancake. I didn't pick a different desert. I picked a different state. And apparently that pick was right because Uh, Lori Vallow's from New Mexico. Okay. Yeah, but we're not doing Lori Vallow. I thought we was. I thought you said we were. Fuck no. We're not doing Lori Vallow. No. You're not even close. Oh, wow. You made me think I was right. I know. I'm a dick. You are a dick. I can't believe I'm marrying you in a month. (laughs) 